Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Dan Mott with the Orange and Brown Talk Podcast. Now, as you know, this month we've been doing our 20 question series. And as part of that, we pre-recorded a number of these posts. So today you're going to hear us talk about the tight ends, me, Mary Kay, and Scott. And something you need to know is we recorded this prior to David Njoku requesting a trade. That news came out on Friday. Uh, We recorded this before Friday. So you're going to hear us talk about the tight ends. And of course, we're going to talk about David Njoku And we're not going to mention that trade request, Um, but we decided we could still run the pod anyway. It's unclear if the Browns are actually even going to trade Najoku, if something could be worked out. So we decided to go ahead and run the pod anyway. Now, if you want to hear uh, Mary Kay and I's reaction to the David Najoku news, we recorded an instant reaction pod on Friday. Uh, That's in the the podcast feed, so go check that out. Uh, So if if you're listening to this and and you're sitting there banging your fist on the table like, hey, Najoku requested a trade. Why aren't you guys talking about that? It's because we didn't know it at the time we recorded it. But uh, I I think it's still a relevant podcast. So we decided to go ahead and run it today as normal. Now, uh, this is, of course, where I tell you about Football Insider. It's our subscription service where Mary Kay, Scott, and I will text you throughout the day with the latest on the Browns news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. And the best part is, you can text us, and we text you back directly, cutting through the clutter of social media. On Friday, for example, I, I texted out about David Njoku, and some folks responded, and I was able to, to kind of interact with them and talk with them uh, about the situation. So it's just another way to connect with us as we cover your favorite football team. And we hold events with our team of writers exclusively for our subscribers, like the virtual draft event we held the week before the draft this year, and our virtual event talking all things Baker Mayfield. These events are open only to our Football Insider. So if you want to check it out, you can get a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com slash browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. Football Insider is just $3.99 per month after your trial expires. Or better yet, you can just text 216-208-3965 to get your trial started. Again, to start that 14-day free trial started and see everything that comes with your subscription, text 216-208-3965. Now, let's get to our question for today with, again, that reminder, this was recorded before uh, Najoku made his trade request on Friday. And today's question is all yours, Scott. What is it? Can the Browns' tight ends perform at the level they need to in Kevin Stefanski's offense? Now, of course, we're not talking so much about receiving because both Austin Hooper and Dave Najoku have proven that they're pretty good at catching the ball. 
this really has mostly to do with how they're going to be as blockers. Uh, we know all about David Njoku's issues uh, as a blocker. You know, John Dorsey kind of called him out, what was it, two years ago at the uh, NFL Combine saying he's got to get better. And then, you know, David Njoku ended up having what was pretty much a lost season last year. And he, uh, when he was on the field, he hadn't really improved as a blocker. Um, so you're not really sure what you're going to get from him there. Uh, Austin Hooper has been okay. He's been a little better than, than David Njoku as a blocker if you just want to go by PFF grades. Um, not one of the elite run blockers in the league by any means. But you basically have two tight ends who are better known for catching. And if you look at some of the other uh, NFL offenses, are really the only other two that kind of compare to what the Browns will be doing um, with the, the 49ers and the Ravens, they both feature tight ends that are very good at multiple things. George Kittle, one of the best blocking tight ends in the league, also led the uh, 49ers in, in receptions and targets last year. Uh, the, the, the Ravens had guys like Nick Boyle, uh, Mark Andrews, who were both very good at blocking. Um, so the question is, do the Browns have those types of players in Austin Hooper and David Njoku, or can they become those kinds of players? You know, or is it going to be a situation where you're bringing in Pharaoh Brown to, to handle a lot, of, a lot of the blocking, which I think kind of goes against what you want this offense to be as far as having versatile tight ends. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure. I think uh, that's probably something that, that will be hurt by the lack of offseason workouts, um, getting your tight ends into camp and getting them up to speed on, on being part of an offensive line and not so much the receiver group, you know? Um, so I think that's, that's kind of one of the, one of the mysteries where we're going to hopefully unravel as this, as this season gets going. I think one of the things they'll have to do is, of course, those guys are going to have to step up their, their blocking efforts. They're going to have to prove they can do it. Uh, and, and I'm sure that, uh, that there will be a heavy emphasis on that. But I think one way you can make up for some of those deficiencies is to make sure that there's a lot of global blocking going on. First of all, they've got a really good offensive line, and that will help them a lot. Uh, so those guys, you know, they might not have to chip as much as they normally would. You know, they might be able to, to, you know, be out on a route instead of staying in and helping, you know, Jack Conklin or Jedrick Wills block. Um, so I think that's one thing. I think the line will be better and that will take the focus off that. Uh, but what I mean again by more global blocking is, you know, the receivers are going to have to block more, you know, the, obviously the running backs are going to have to do their share of, of blocking. So, I mean, if everybody pitches in, uh, I think it can, can kind of, make up for some of those deficiencies if, if they're there. I think kind of the big, the, the place we have to start is David Njoku. I think we, we kind of know what Austin Hooper can do. And, and this, this goes beyond the, the blocking part of it. We know what Austin Hooper can do. Uh, we've seen it in Atlanta. But David Njoku is a guy who's kind of got second life here. I, I think had John Dorsey still been the GM, had Freddie Kitchens still been the head coach, I, I doubt that David Njoku's fifth-year option would have gotten picked up. I don't even know if he would still be here. Uh, they probably would have shopped him and, and tried to move him. I, I don't know for sure, but it just felt like it was going that way. He was very clearly in the doghouse last year. And a big part of it is, you know, he, of course he got hurt, but 
he really just hasn't been a super reliable target outside of the red zone. Now in the red zone, it seems like he's been a good target for this team. You know, he always seems to be able to make those acrobatic catches. Sometimes it's the easy ones, uh, but his hands were an issue last year. And we'd, we'd go and watch practice and they'd run routes against air and, and we'd see footballs hit the ground uh, with, with him. So that's really, I think where this starts because you feel good about Austin Hooper, but David Njoku's got to, to kind of take that step now. You know, he's going into year four. Uh, he had the injury last year, showed some good signs in 2018, still had some drop issues, but it kind of got canceled out because he, he did make plays for Baker Mayfield. He's got to start doing that again uh, this year because unfortunately for him, that fifth year option still falls under the old, the old CBA. So it's only guaranteed for injuries. So the Browns aren't necessarily tied to that fifth year right now. Um, so, so he's, he's in a big prove-it year. And I kind of think that's where it starts, at least for me, with this question. What is David Njoku going to be in 2020? I think he's – I don't think there's as much pressure on him, though. I know for contract-wise, yes, for you know, your future in the NFL. Uh, I mean, not to downplay that, but, uh, you know, the fact that there are, are so many other weapons on this offense, and he's one of a group now – um, and maybe not uh, so reliant, even at the tight end position. Um, you know, maybe that maybe that helps him. I don't know. But, you know, knowing that you have multiple tight ends now and you have you still have Landry and Beckham on the outside and this is going to be a run heavy offense. Uh, you need David Njoku to uh, perform with efficiency. You know, you need him to be a huge threat in the red zone. Uh, we saw last season how much the Browns struggled reaching their tight ends in the red zone without Njoku on the field. And, um, you know, that I think is where he really needs to focus is on making sure that when he does get his opportunities, he's, he's there and ready to go. And, and especially in the red zone, but I don't think he has to look at this season uh, as I need to, to be one of the leaders in receiving on this team, or I need to build off of uh, my second year when I did really well. I think he just needs to get to a point where they can count on him, which is kind of a low bar. But, you know, I think you do that in this offense with all these other people. If you're someone that Baker Mayfield can count on, then, then you become valuable going forward. You know, that was such a huge setback for him last year to break that risk. That's a big pivotal year uh, in your third season, uh, you know, for development. I mean, now the game has slowed down for you a little bit. Uh, you can kind of put the pieces of your game together. I think he was really excited about the season and kind of taking his game to that next level. Then he breaks that wrist and, you know, his season went to hell in a handbag. Uh, coupled with that, Dan, as you mentioned, he got in the doghouse of Freddie Kitchens. But he wasn't only in the doghouse of Freddie Kitchens. There were other coaches that sort of just didn't like the way he was doing his job, didn't like, you know, David is a different person. He's his own man. And some people kind of take him the wrong way. And the new coaching staff, they don't even know him yet. But there were some coaches last year that just didn't really like what he was bringing to the table in practice. Uh, they just felt, I think, that he kind of had a little bit of an attitude problem. And uh, so it will be interesting to see what, what the new crew feels about him. Because, again, uh, it, it really just wasn't Freddie Kitchens. I, I think he's working really hard on his hands this offseason and, and other things, his blocking, and to try to put that complete game together. Uh, there is no way he would have been back here if Freddie Kitchens was here. And he even basically told me that at the end of last year. I wrote a story about that. Uh, those two guys clashed so much 
that he would have he would have asked to be traded. Something would have had to give have given. Uh, so th there was no way. So now he's got new life. He's lucky that Andrew Barry was around when he was drafted in 2017 because Andrew believes in him. He sees in him uh, a really really good tight end that just still needs some coaching, still needs some development, and needs to be placed into a scheme where he can flourish and where he can shine. So this is a big prove-it year for David Njoku. Yeah, and then, I mean, it's also worth noting, they didn't just pick him, they traded up to pick him. Mm -hmm. you know, and that's something that, that that group didn't do a ton of, you know, was, was move, move up, especially, you know, for the cost that, you know, giving up a, a really valuable second round pick, moving up and taking that, that tight end, which is actually a position that doesn't often go in the first round, even as, as tight ends have sort of exploded onto the scene. Uh, it, it's still, you know, drafting them hasn't quite caught. We don't see a ton of tight ends go in the first round. So uh, obviously Andrew Barry was, was a part of that group and, and they liked what they saw. And, I, you know, he was always an upside pick. This was a guy that didn't play tight end until very, very late in his football life. And there was always going to be a development curve there. And like you said, Mary Kay, that wrist injury last year really stunted uh, that growth a little bit. So, so this is a big year for him in, in terms of showing that year two was the real year. So that sounds a little bit like Baker Mayfield, doesn't it? 2018 was the real David Njoku, not 2019. Um, the other guy, of course, to mention in this is the Browns did use their first pick on day three of the draft on a tight end. You know, not, not the sixth round, not the seventh round. They used a fourth round pick on Harrison Bryant out of FAU sort of opposite David Njoku. This is sort of a production pick. This is a guy that produced big time numbers in college and, and won the Mackey award. Uh, I, I thought that was interesting. I, I was kind of convinced going into the draft, as I said on this podcast, that they were going to take a tight end. I just felt like in this offense, adding more tight ends was important. And they, they end up using their very first pick on day three uh, to add a guy like Bryant. We'll, we'll see what he can do at the NFL level, but there, there is a lot of potential there and there's a lot of production from the college level. Yeah, Harrison Bryant is, is very interesting in this whole equation because if David Njoku doesn't step up, then, you know, Harrison Bryant has a real opportunity here. And obviously they like him a lot. I, I actually think that they felt like they got a pretty good bargain there in the fourth round. And when you pick a guy in the fourth round, I think you still do expect, you know, I mean, it's right on the, uh, on the edge there. But I still do think that you expect that uh, he's going to maybe become a starter someday. And, uh, and so I think they really obviously like him a lot. They're excited about him. And they went away from, I mean, they really stuck true to the board there when they saw his name there in, in that round. And even though, like, we all didn't think that they needed him, except for you, Dan, um, <laughs> that they went ahead and did that. So I think it, it's going to be interesting to see what he's able to do this year. Yeah, that pick makes me wonder, like, how much value or need the Browns see in their tight ends and run blocking. Um, even after my opening rant in this podcast uh, about the, uh, the tight ends needing to block, um, you know, you pick Harrison Bryant, a lot of uh, scouts and, and uh, draft analysis analysts thought that he should maybe lose weight and just become a receiver in the NFL because he's so prolific at doing that. Um, even the Vikings last year, you know, Irv Smith, Kyle Rudolph were not great run blockers or pass blockers, but they were on the field for, you know, three to 400 running snaps. So you need them to be adequate. Um, Herb Smith was probably a little better across the board, but uh, 
there's probably a path for this offense to be very, very successful without having Njoku or Harrison Bryant or Austin Hooper be one of the top blocking tight ends in the NFL. But I think that's what every coach secretly wants. You want George Kittle. You want Rob Gronkowski. You want the guy who can do everything. Um, you know, I, I don't know if any of the guys on the Browns roster can get to that level or be that kind of player, but maybe they have enough who can do enough different things to make everything work. They clearly have enough people at tight end who can catch the ball. We know that. It's a- do you guys think that they will play as much 12 personnel here as Kevin Stefanski played in Minnesota? I think so. I, I think they I mean, I, I think they're going to play, well, 12 personnel. I, I was just thinking more two tight end sets, but yeah, you know, I think we're going to see a lot of 22. That's what I was going to say, too. Hunt I don't think you can keep them back off the there field. Or the fullback. And um, well, what I'm curious about is are we gonna, how many three tight end sets are we going to see? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, the only reason why I say, you know, because obviously I think he played more 12 personnel than anybody last year, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Scott? Right. So, but, again, when you have two such great backs and two great receivers – you know, something's got to give somewhere. So I'm just wondering, you know, from a personnel standpoint, how that might shake out this year. And we'll find out how much of that was necessity last season. You know, he didn't have two running backs like he has now. Uh, He didn't have that in Minnesota. So uh, yeah, I would be, I don't know how you go about this season and not try to get Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt on the field as much as possible. Um, And again, as we're talking about now, obviously you got, talent at tight end too and and Baker has proven that he excels out of uh, formations where you have multiple running backs or multiple tight ends on the field so everything kind of works it's you know Kevin Stefanski's chore is going to be figuring out how to make the best use of all these different people he has you know on his roster yeah and I, I'm looking right now at um, sharp football uh, sharp football stats personnel groupings from last year and uh, you look at 11 personnel and of course, that's been what's been sweeping the NFL. It was what Sean McVay made so popular uh, a few years ago uh, when they were almost exclusively in 11 personnel with the Rams. The Vikings didn't run very much of that. <laughs> and, you know, we're seeing, of course, the NFL now move away from that a little bit. But um, I, I think no matter what, we're certainly not going to see very much of that uh, with 11 personnel. But I, I mean, I'll ask you guys this here in the, in the last three minutes here. Are you expecting to see a lot of three tight end sets? Because Kevin Stefanski seemed to indicate that, that he loves doing stuff like that. I mean, so, so could we see Hooper, Najoku, and, and Harrison Bryant on the field? Or, I don't know, throw Steven Carlson in the mix or Farrell Brown or whatever. I, I mean, that's, that's sort of where this gets really interesting is how often does he just say, let's throw three tight ends out there, especially if you have three guys with Hooper, Bryant, and, and Najoku who can go out in the passing game and, and make plays. Well, they do have three good tight ends. So I think that they will use three tight ends uh, at times for sure. Um, But once again, you have to ask yourself, you know, who are you taking off the field and in what situations? I mean, three tight ends will come in handy in certain, uh, you know, jumbo type offenses where you want to do get certain things accomplished. But, uh, you know, you have to be uh, just cautious of, 
you know, having Jarvis off the field or having Odell off the field in, in certain situations. But for the people that don't know what we're talking about with the personnel, 11 personnel, you know, that last number is, you know, one tight end. The first number is one running back, and then that's three wides. 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends, um, and then two, 22 personnel, two running backs, two tight ends. So just uh, in case people didn't know what we were talking about, in case my mom is listening to this, <laughs> she's not really sure what the heck we're talking about there. Uh, yeah. that, that's how that goes. I think if you're going to see three tight ends on the field, the third one's probably going to be Pharaoh Brown because that's as a blocker, that's why he's on this team. Uh, and that's kind of how he was used last season a lot. Uh, when they did have multiple tight ends, he was out there for his blocking. Another thing we might see is uh, Andy Janovich uh, kind of going in motion and lining up at tight end sometimes out of the fullback position and uh, being uh, next to, you know, whoever else is, is at tight end. That, that's another way to use that spot. We've seen tight ends kind of move back into the backfield before. Uh, even here with the Browns, remember Seth DeValve getting snaps in the preseason uh, in the backfield. I think Farrell Brown was used a little bit that, like that. Um, maybe David Njoku once or twice in the preseason got uh, a snap in the backfield as a fullback. So it could go either way. But I think if you're going to see a third, a third tight end on the field, it's probably going to be Farrell Brown. I wrote, a, uh, I wrote a big story about Seth DeValve lining up at fullback <laughs> and playing H-back. And then like four days later, he got waived. <laughs> that always happens. Well, what about, but you know how often you guys, we talk about Kareem Hunt and all the things that he can do. I mean, you could even maybe see him uh, playing in that kind of role as well, right? I mean, or, or maybe I'm crazy to think that, but I mean, why not? I mean, I can see him as a, you know, fullback, H-back, part-time tight end type of guy too at times. Yeah, and then, and Actually, that was something the Browns did with him a couple times last year is that they lined him up sort of in a tight end position. Um, and, then, and then you can motion him around and, and do different things with him there. And, and that's, where, uh, that's where it gets kind of interesting. And that's where it helps Baker Mayfield, too. If you have Kareem Hunt and you can motion him all over the place, Baker can kind of use that to see what the defense is doing. And you can do that with your tight ends. You know, you could put Austin Hooper in tight and then motion him out into the slot. And, and that might help Baker see something. Uh, so, so that's sort of where all this can, having these weird big formations uh, can, can really help your quarterback in, in that regard too. Okay, that's it for this edition of our 20 Questions podcast. Check your feed to get caught up on all the ones we've done so far. Check cleveland.com slash browns to see our written posts on these questions where just one of us is answering them. And then of course, we're trying to all answer them here on the podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and check out Football Insider to start your free trial there as we head towards training camp. We'll have a lot of fun stuff planned for that. For Mary Kay and Scott, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening.